WBNE. Back to late to the party, kind of. I mean, it's the podcast, but it's a different story right now. We're doing a little fun thing. This is a late to the party side quest called A Christmas Parable. I'm going to be the DM today. My name is Scott Nicewander, and normally I don't DM, so this is fun for me. I'm Tyler Doobie. I'm playing in this. Who are you playing in this? At least give us a name. I'm playing Marion Lawson Ashwam. Hi, I'm Ethan Edgell. I play the character of Kensington Chalet. Hi, I'm Jordan Balky, and I am playing Sister Marguerite. I'm Camille Leonard, playing Tilia Castle Rock. This is a little homebrew kind of... Not really a one-shot, because it will take a couple episodes to get through. But I do have to thank my friend uh, Tristan Johnson, who uh, gave me this idea. We talk about D&D a lot. And I think sometime last year, he was like, I'm going to run this idea for my family to get them into Dungeons & Dragons. And I was like, that's a really cool idea. I also would like to run it on a podcast. Here we are. That's awesome. Thank you, Tristan. Thanks, Tristan. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's October 24th. (laughs) One could argue. You know, there's a lot of contention between, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas. Is it Christmas? Is it Halloween? Where's the debate about Christmas, Carol? There's ghosts. There's Christmas. What season does it belong in? We'll never know until today. It is a cold, bleak, biting evening in 19th century London, England. Fog pours down every street into every keyhole. Chimneys paint the sky dark as fireplaces are set ablaze to combat the icy chill. The poor and the homeless huddle around the pale warmth of burning barrels giving off thick black smoke. The air is opaque. From the stoop of one building, its neighbor appears as a mere phantom. It looks as though the whole city is full of ghosts. The streets are filthy, muddy, and wet and gritty. On the wealthy side of town, North Dryfend, servants are scrambling to finish decorations and prepare food for annual holiday parties in the homes of London's most influential families. On the poorer side of town, in Bleakbury, in contrast, houses look as though they are barely standing up, as if they are trying to hold themselves together for just one more day. After all, tomorrow is Christmas! In spite of the ferocious weather and unforgiving setting, there is a pleasantness in the air felt by the poorest to the wealthiest in the city. There's joy. Through frost-covered windows, families and loved ones smile and laugh and sing songs. But there is one home that gives off an opposing aura. At the dark and ominous home of a miserly old man, there is no joy, no smiles, and definitely no singing. However, any passers-by on this particular day will notice sounds coming from the curmudgeon's home. Peculiar sounds. Sounds of glee, panic, anger. It's hard to know what exactly is going on inside of the home of Ebenezer Scrooge. But the fact that there's any noise at all means that something is very, very off. But for now, we watch the sun hang low in the sky at the church 
of St. Shelley. A large crowd is leaving the building as the Christmas Eve service wraps up. The church is one of the grandest buildings in all of London. Ornate stained glass adorns the towering walls and ceilings. And even though the Church of St. Shelley gives off enormous vibes of almost intimidating wealth, it is still open to everyone. It is perhaps one of the few places in the city where people from all walks of life congregate, especially around the holidays. As the last few stragglers leave the building, we are left with one very eager-looking nun. Jordan, please describe your character. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Sister Marguerite. I am a nun of the church at St. Shelley, and I, I, I am no longer in contact with my family. My new family is the church. I am here in St. Shelley for many, many years, and I am very much looking forward to the Christmas Mass tomorrow being said by the bishop. I have not yet met the bishop from here, and I would very much like to. St. Shelley has been very nice to me, and I... Uh, I'm wearing my nun's habit, and I am responsible tomorrow for the the presents for all the poor children who shall be coming to the church, and I will be giving them all of these wonderful, magnificent, uh, que magnificent, uh, presents, uh, and I hope that I will uh, I will bring them much joy, not only to the children but also to the the church. As people are shuffling out of this service, you are kind of helping everyone out. And another nun comes up. You recognize this nun as uh, Sister Elizabeth. She says, uh, oh, well, um, it's good to see you helping uh, get everyone out. Are you going to help me clean up the place or are you just going to just going to stand there? I'm trying to prepare for the bishop to arrive tomorrow. Are you not? Are, is that not important oh, to sister, you? Oh, sister, I didn't see you this morning at... Early Mass, were you uh, sleeping in on one of these most holy days? Oh, well, of course you know that I uh, go to the extra early Mass. I saved you a seat, but it's weird that you weren't there. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, if you don't mind, I have to prepare a nice feast for the children and families tomorrow. It seems odd to me, though, that you... We're in charge of the toys, I believe it was, the gifts for the young children. It's, I only say it sounds odd because there is a table out front that is supposed to have a whole bunch of gifts wrapped up and it seems quite empty. Is that by design in any capacity? Oh, sister, sister, I am, am simply adding more ribbons and bows to the gifts. I want them to look beautiful, as beautiful as as our love of our Lord. Go ahead and give me a deception check, please. <laughs> oh boy. So I rolled a three on that. So that's going to be a 12. Holy <laughs> cow. Excuse me? <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> With a 12, I will say... She is, Sister Elizabeth is a bit, a bit questioning, but she's not going to call you out on it. If anything, with a 12, she just saw a little bit of your, of your accent slip there and just kind of gives you a little eye. So then I shall, shall respond. Yes, the bows, you know, like the ones that are falling out of your hair. She, she like touches her head a little bit like, <clears throat> yes, well, uh, either way, I look forward to seeing what you have to present 
for the children, and more importantly, for the bishop. As you know, it is uh, his presence coming here is quite important and quite uh, uh, detrimental. One could say that it would make someone's, I don't know, legacy, if they were to impress him, who knows? I just hope that you don't screw up. <laughs> and same to you. Blessings be on your soul. Yes, well, I must be leaving. Lots to prepare for tomorrow. And she leaves, and a part of your duties as well, right next to the church, is a little kind of building that's not as ornate, not as decorated, and not as, you know, noble as the church is, but it is used uh, as like a learning and recreation center for, for children about town, especially low-income children. It mostly, like I said, it's not very impressive, so it mostly attracts children from poorer families. Wealthy families can afford private tutors and stuff for their children, so uh, this is kind of a place for, yeah, just kind of the the lower income side of people to give their children some activities to do uh, and a little bit of education as well. One particular child who is there is a small boy with a crutch and an iron frame supporting his body. And it so happens that this little boy loves music. Uh, although he can't quite hold a violin correctly, uh, he has an unshakable spirit that keeps him coming back to his favorite music teacher, a young lady with a lot on her mind. Tyler, would you go ahead and describe your character, please? Hello, I am Marion Blossom Ashworm. I teach music at the uh, Church for Children and I also run a small bookstore downtown called a Ladies Bookstore. I run it with my sister Eleanor, who moved here with me a while ago after a failed engagement with a one Mr. Willoughby, which turned out to be will not to be. And here I am with Tiny Tim. I would like you. So Tiny Tim kind of looks up to you. He's like, "Am I holding this right? Is this? I can't quite get the oh, you're, the bow. You're doing wonderfully, just, Tim." I, I'm trying, and I like I like it a lot. And it's just gonna hear it like screeching across the strings. And he's like really trying. Music to my ears. Would you? Could you? Could we play? My I know my my mom's gonna come pick me up here in a second. Do you mind if we just try? I would love if she came while we were playing a beautiful song to kind of. Oh, of course, of course. Yes. Uh, and I I grab my my nearest instrument. Excellent. I please go ahead give and give go. me. Yeah, please go ahead and give me a performance check. And Tim is also going to give you a performance check. Uh, he has disadvantage. Oh, no. Yeah. What'd you get? 21. It, surprisingly, sounds amazing. This is, I think, what Tim needed was just the the guidance and tutelage of a, a loving teacher to kind of help him along the way. And There you, guys you go, are, Tim. Just like that. Oh, I think I'm getting it now. Yeah. Oh, this is great. And you're playing this lovely song when Sister Marguerite comes in with Tiny Tim's mom, Emily Cratchit, who has oh, come hello, to pick him Ms. up. hello, Miss Cratchit. I would like to hand her something that is wrapped in ribbon. It is a small music sheet book, and I say to her, please don't let him open it till tomorrow. Oh, thank you, dear. It's such a, you're so lovely. Um, I will keep this in a nice hidden spot out of his reach. Everything's out of my reach. Oh, I know, Tim. You're such a scoundrel. Uh, 
Um, yes. So we are understanding that there is a, a toy drive tomorrow. Yes, Sister Marguerite, is that that correct? Yes, yes, of course. And of course, there will be something for, for little Timothy here. Oh, boy, I'm really excited about that. Thank you, sister. You're very welcome. May the Lord bless your soul. Right, well, we should get getting head back, Tim. We've got a lot to prepare for tomorrow. And they head off and a couple other kids are, or a couple other parents are coming to pick up their kids. And um, Marianne, you notice that that actually sister marguerite can you give me a perception check please five my passive is 10 i will say i'll say that's more than enough as parents are coming to pick up their kids there are a couple parents who look towards marianne and kind of some of the wives kind of give her a little longing looks a little bit and the husbands are kind of just like you know staring daggers at her marianne gives a little wink and a wave Yeah, so Sister Marguerite, you do see this. You do see all this happening. Marianne, Sister Marguerite, how goes lessons? Oh, lessons are going wonderfully. The children are learning all the music so well. They could probably help in the choir next year. Uh, The spots in the orchestra are typically reserved for the children with more time to practice and more time uh, with their, their parents' pious behaviors, let us say. With uh, those without sin to cast the first stone. And of course, no matter how how close I am, I shall never be. Fantastic. So you two head out in uh, different directions. Marguerite has some last minute, uh, quote unquote, shopping to do. And uh, Marianne, you head towards a ladies bookstore, the name of your bookstore that you run. It's tucked away at the border of North Dryfund and Bleakbury. So you open the door to your your bookstore and i would like you to make a perception check for me what does a natural one get me a natural one gets you pretty much nothing there's there's something out of place but you're not sure what i don't think this is my store (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of late in the evening obviously so there's not a lot of like customers to deal with kind of winding down for the day what's you up to uh if we have any new orders of books i would try to put them on the shelves if we have any returned or borrowed books that have been returned put those back up um maybe dust a little bit uh and probably check on eleanor excellent yeah eleanor is upstairs you guys live above your bookstore in a little loft area she's just kind of rummaging through some like file cabinets and things like that just trying to get things in order she's she's much more orderly than you I believe, yes? Yes. For sure. Do you want to go upstairs and check on Eleanor then? Check might be a a way to put it. I'm going to go upstairs and be like, oh, Eleanor, I am so tired of that little stuck up nun, Sister Marguerite. She's always getting in my business and I'm so tired of hearing it. Well, you know, sister, one way to potentially... Uh, not have to deal with that. And she's just still, she's not even looking at you. She's just still going through like files and things. It's like, um, you could theoretically come in and work at the bookstore that you own instead of uh, teaching music for free for children. That would be great if you could actually help out around here a little bit more. But the children love the music and I they know. need something to love. I know, I know. It's just, we are so very much in debt, Marianne. You know this. Yes, I know this. We have to work even a little, we have to work on Christmas. There's hardly going to be any customers, and yet we have to work, so just in case there's some, you know? 
Just have you finished tidying up downstairs then? Uh, I'll I'll get to it. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll I'll join you in a second. We'll close up the shop. Just gonna figure out the rest of the stuff here. And she's still fiddling away at stuff. And I'll you, walk back downstairs. Excellent. And you, as you walk downstairs, a couple walks in to your bookstore. Oh, hello. Yes, it is a very lovely, very, very conventionally attractive couple, kind of on the wealthier side. The woman is dressed in very nice clothing. Uh, the man is kind of keeping his hands to himself, doesn't really want to touch anything in this bookstore. You can tell he doesn't really handle things. He's very, you know, he's got servants and things, but he's, he's here with his, his partner. And uh, you actually, of course, recognize them as Arabella Adams and James Taylor. Oh, Arabella, it's so good to see you. Darling, oh, it's so good to see you. Look, uh, James, don't you see how lovely this place is? It's, I just love it here. It's right on the outskirts of, of, of North Dryfin. It's right here. And, and James is just kind of like, oh, yes, um, I, uh, it, it is charming, I suppose. Uh, it's a bit dusty, a bit dirty, uh, kind oh, of. Oh, I haven't gotten to cleaning yet, but well, don't that, mind that. That would explain the smell then. I, um. Oh, that's yeah. just how books smell. Oh, is that, uh, is that true? I've not. We're not really had read any books. That's interesting. Yeah, That's an crack interesting up in a cold one. Fact. That, well, thank you. I, 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 I'm actually, I'm very good right now. Thank you very much. Um, but I, at the very least, I am glad to be here at a place that my Arabella loves so much. Something that has captured her heart, hopefully, as much as I have. <laughs> and they both kind of chuckle a little bit about that. Did you get any new? Uh, did you get any new books in? That I, I'm. Oh, I. Yes. I just did. I haven't put them on the shelves yet. Would you like to run through them? Oh, I would love to. Darling, do you mind? This might take a second. And he's just, you know, James is just kind of like, sure, if you must. And yeah, you two are just rummaging through books. Yeah, yeah, I head behind the counter. I grab the box of books, uh, hand it to her. Excellent. She's just rummaging through. She loves a good romance novel. And she's looking through them, and she says, "Well, oh, these are these are wonderful. I think I might have read this one before, but that's I could read that one again." Um, oh, oh! Speaking of, though, I would love you. You have to come to. Marion stops breathing when she says, "I would love you." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> incredible! Yeah, she says, "I." We are having actually, James and I. We are having uh, our our wedding next month, as you know. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's very exciting. Very exciting. And um, I would love for you to, to come come to the wedding, if, if possible. I, we've got... Uh, James, do you have the invite? And he's, he's kind of like, uh, it's some... Yes. Uh, he, like, pulls out gloves and puts gloves on to, like, reach into his little pocket and, like, very, like, slides it across the counter to you. Just, like... I take it without looking at it, uh, and I look at Arabella, and I say, I'll do my best to make it. Those invitations were very expensive. Please, you, you just kind of slid it. You just kind of, like, grabbed it and didn't even look at it. It's. I glance down for a microsecond. It's, you, oh, okay. it's lovely. Okay, G- good. Thank you. Uh, yes. And 
I know good paper and this is good paper. Isn't it good paper? It's great paper. You know, but yes. So you'll come then, yes? I will I will see what I can do. I'll have to convince Eleanor to run the store alone and you know how much she hates that. I'd actually love it. If you got out of here some more, go get a life. So do I need to send this back with an RSVP or a check mark? Any dietary restrictions? No, that's all right. Yeah, the, everything's on the everything's on the thing and and as you guys are discussing that uh, kind of an old man, not an old man, but just, you know, like a a kind of dirty, disheveled man in the back of the bookstore who's been there, didn't really notice him. Ha is uh, making his way up to the counter and he's been browsing for a bit and he's like, uh, excuse me, um, I don't mean to interrupt all of this uh, uh, pleasantries and everything. I, I just need to, uh, I wanted to purchase this uh, book. And oh, lovely. Yeah, it is. He slams down on the counter, boom, this enormous book. It is one of the thickest books that you have ever seen. You forgot that you even carried it. It is a uh, called A Brief History of Finance, and it is huge. And it slams down, cr- creating a dust cloud out. James, who's just standing by the man, didn't even notice him. He's like, oh, good God. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, I will. We should probably leave so that uh, 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 Mar- Mary, is that your name? I, I, I forgot. Marianne? Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, Marianne. Uh, so she can you know, properly help this, this um, gentleman who clearly, clearly needs help in some capacity. Yes. Well, goodbye, um, Mr. Taylor and oh, Arabella. It's so good to see you again. Thank you so much. James, don't be rude. I'll meet you outside in just a second. So Arabella pulls out a little, little coin purse and is just like, Sir, I'm very sorry that he insulted you. Here, whatever you want to buy, that it's on me. I'll, I'll see you later, Marianne. Have a wonderful Christmas. Oh, you too. She leaves. This uh, this man is buying the book and um, he's like, well, that was very nice of her. Who was that? That was Miss Arabella Adams. Ah, well, I see that you look at her the same way that I look at my Emily. Marianne just goes red. <laughs> Excellent. He's like, I, I certainly don't know what you're talking about. Oh, of course not. Of course not. Yes. So I, um, I, I think I recognize you though. Are you the, you're the, um, you're the lady who, who teaches my little Tim how to play music. <gasps> Isn't that right? You're Tiny Tim's father. Yes, of course. Of course. Bob Cratchit is the name. Oh, so lovely to meet you. I've met your wife so many times and what a wonderful <sighs> lady she, she is. Isn't she the best. She is a beauty. I am so lucky to even be able to look upon her every day, uh, which is hard to do because we have so many children running about the house. I can't even, uh, there's so much to look at all the time. The fact that oh, she just still drop catches. them off the church. Uh, yeah, we try to. They have a mind of their own, always running around a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, at least Tiny Tim, you've, you've captured his heart with music and I do appreciate that. So if I may be so bold... I know that you said there's nothing, nothing going on between you and Arabella, but I think if you really care for someone, just go for it. What have you got to lose? You know what I mean? You got nothing. She's already getting married. So the worst that can happen, she says no and you ruin your whole friendship. But other than that, go for it. You know what I'm saying? Your advice has been heard. And I will digest it and come to a conclusion on that at a later time. Thank you so much. 
Um, and please enjoy your book of finances. Yes, I've seen that the price has been marked down quite a lot. Um, it is quite a relic. Yes, which is good for me. I just wanted to get uh, my my boss here something uh, something nice for uh, for Christmas. He gave me the day off, which I, I, I appreciate. Uh, he rarely does that. I had to beg him for it, really. But you know, a gift seems seems in order. Of course, you know him. You're you're uh, Mr. Scrooge. You're indebted to him, I should say. Yes, he did give us the money to. Uh, yes, yeah, I've seen I've seen this, this store. Seen this store pop up in our books. You owe him quite a lot of money. You really oh. do. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Well, either way, you know, the interesting thing, I was, um, he let me go early today, even though it's just Christmas Eve. I only asked for Christmas off. He let me go today and something seemed a bit off about him. He, I couldn't tell if he was, I don't know, maybe he's a bit happy. Maybe the Christmas spirit finally got to him. So I well, say, that's a sight I'd surely like to see. Well, well, I say, if you are in debt to Mr. Scrooge so much, which you really are, it's really bad. Uh, we really it's are. It's really bad. It's really bad. Um, I would say maybe today's the day. Maybe finally old Scrooge's heart is melting a bit. And you could ask for maybe a little forgiveness. Oh, thank you so much for letting me know. I'll head down there later. Head down there now, please. I will head down there now. We are so in debt. We are so in debt. Bob leaves the store, quickly scurries away, and uh, Marianne, your eyes kind of follow him out the door. Go ahead and give me a perception check again. 17. Excellent. As your eyes follow him out the door, you kind of glance across the street at a local jeweler's where in the window sits a beautiful ruby necklace. Eleanor has come down the stairs at this point, as you're gazing out at it. I know what you're planning on doing. Oh? Yes, but we don't have the money for it. Oh, I know. So, let's hope Mr. Cratchit is right. And Scrooge is indeed in a generous Christmas spirit. (sighs) I'll close up shop on my way out and head over there. Thank you. Merry Christmas, Eleanor. Merry Christmas, sister. And the sun starts to get low, and Mary Ann goes for a walk, but not before seeing a book that you were just putting books away. You swear that you saw you put this book on the shelf, but it's now sitting out with, you know, pages open, as if someone had been reading it. Well, this is strange. It is Close a, the book. Yeah, it is. Would you like to Read know the what cover? the book is? <laughs> I would. It is a book of poems for the wandering spirit. Marianne cries a little bit. <laughs> Excellent. You put the book back and go for your walk. And we cut to deeper inside of North Dreifend at Castle Rock Manor. This home is beautiful. Inside and out, gas lanterns start to light up outside, sparkling off the stunningly colorful garden, which has miraculously been maintained this late into the year, uh, with the tireless help of thankless servants. Inside the home has lavish, almost garish furniture and gilded portraits of ancestors dating back at least a hundred years. The Castle Rock family is 
old money, one of the wealthiest and most influential in all of London. As dinner is just wrapping up, Edmund and Rosalind Castlerock are in yet another, let's say, energetic conversation with their daughter across the table. Cam, would you please describe your character? Our dear Tilia is a very petite, very cute, very blonde young woman who is, to what her parents can see, not super bright, but really a, a problem. She just, she will not behave. She will not go along with their wishes. You know, they only want the best for her, but Tilia has no interest. So Tilia's, you know, sitting at the table. She's in her perfect attire, you know, her her flowing Christmas gown and, and all of that. And her very long, gorgeous, bright blonde hair is pinned back in a very ornate fashion. She is doing her very best not to argue with her parents, but they're very much getting on her nerves. Excellent. And yeah, you hear your parents say, All I'm saying, darling, is, is uh, with the marriage of, of Arabella and uh, that James boy being the talk of the town. Uh, I mean, even, even that Fred fellow just got married not too long ago. Are, are you saying that you are still not interested in, in marriage of, of any kind? Mummy, Daddy, don't you know that it is Christmas? And the last thing that I want to consider is everybody else marching down all the aisles. It's all you've ever wanted me to talk about yes, and think about. Yes, it's all you've ever wanted. Yes. I know, and I love you both very, very much. And you, you don't think act that you like would it. give me respite. On the one time of year we are to celebrate and be together, you have to pick a fight with me. We're not picking a fight, darling. You're trying to force me into anybody's hand who might outstretch. I don't think so. It's not It's not so much anybody's hand, and your mom says. Oh, yes, uh, what about uh, that Maxwell fellow, up the, the Dunsington boy? Uh, he's you, great. You I, want I, me to be Tilia Dunsington? Well, he's got the money, and that's really... Names can that, change, is darling. Is that the only thing that matters to you? Not my no. happiness? Not my well, satisfaction? Wouldn't you think you'd be happier with a little bit of cash? On, Do you have you all know? the cash that could ever be contained within well, the city, it would seem? Well, you know, darling, as we've previously discussed... You will not be seeing a penny of that money until you are wed. Or... You will stay here forever under our care. You know, I'm not really feeling well, if you all excuse me. All right, fine. We have ended this discussion for now. Make sure to go go up to your room, pick out an outfit for tomorrow, and please don't stop wearing those those all those black dresses. We're not going to a funeral, darling. It really feels like the funeral of my youth and freedom. Okay, you're being dramatic. Oh, right, just go to your go to your room. Delia storms into like the kitchen area just to be difficult because she doesn't want to go in the directions her parents told her. But she's gonna go to her room. <laughs> Excellent. You are in your room, and um, what would you like to do in your room? I'm going to go and pick out some attire to hang, so it looks like I've actually picked out a dress for tomorrow that's not black. It's not going to mm. be the one that I'm going to wear, but we're just <laughs> we're going to set it out. 
since it's evening time, I'm going to uh, change out of my evening gown and um, switch into my typical nightwear and uh, redo my mm-hmm. hair. You know, I have these beautiful uh, hairpins that I recently got. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, Tilly is just going to completely do her hair back sort of in mm-hmm. a, a sleeker fashion, you know, a little, yeah. little more streamlined, not so gaudy. Excellent. And as you're putting the hairpins in, a little ghost pops out of the walls. This ghost is just a child, like an eight-year-old girl who has died of something when, when she was young and has stayed perpetually eight years old, but has been a ghost for who knows how long, decades and decades. And you, of course, recognize this ghost as your good friend, Catherine. Catherine, dearie, Merry Almost Christmas. Yes, yes, I, I love your hairpins. Oh, oh, Tilia. You, you like them? Yes, of course I like them. I, uh, we're gonna have such a fun night tonight. You know, it's Christmas. Do you you have some good things lined up for us? Oh, let's see, let's see. Um, let's see. We've got, well, you know, of course, darling, it's Christmas. Mm -hmm. And, um, this time of year, as you know, us ghosts are not locked to these houses. That we died in, we can walk freely in the streets. Uh, so there's, yes. of course, there's, of course, a lot of activity happening this time of year. There's uh, poor souls that shamble through the streets downtown. Uh, uptown is lit with some sort of spectral energy. It's great. Uh, the ghosts of chimney sweeps come back and they sing and dance on rooftops. It's really fun. I like it a lot. Uh, the songs are very catchy. Um, but of course, this means that we're going to have a fun night tonight. What do you say? Yes? Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm almost finished getting ready. We can, we can go in just a second. Tilia Excellent. puts her dagger in her boot and <laughs> finishing pulling, pulling out her crossbows and finishes everything up. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. And you can kind of tell Tilia that Catherine is kind of holding something back perhaps, um, that she didn't tell you. So Tilia, when she finishes getting all of herself together, she's going to look at Catherine and, uh, yeah, Catherine is just kind of, Catherine's just kind of like swaying, kind of like looking up, like definitely has some information that she's not told you. It's unclear if there's a reason behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Catherine, was there a, a destination you had in mind tonight or a, a certain oh, certain um, something we should get up to? I mean, you know, we could we could always go and, and visit some of our, our past stomping grounds. I mean, uh, what did you get up to last night? You were you were hunting down the, the Black Knight ghost terrorizing a, a, a local art museum. Is that how did that go? Did you do it or um, it went just fine. Are you sure you're telling me everything? Um, go ahead and give me a persuasion check. Ooh, that'll be a 20 plus two. Ooh, you rolled a nat 20? Yeah. <laughs> oh, incredible. <laughs> Catherine looks at you and she pauses for a second and just busts out laughing, saying like, <laughs> okay, okay. So I didn't want to tell you, I didn't want to ruin the surprise. But there was a fun 
little haunting at that mean man Scrooge's house. Oh, what, uh, a, what a piece of work. Isn't he? So the way I understand it, the, um, the ghost of the house's former owner came home in the middle of the night and scared Scrooge half to death. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> if that man wasn't more spiteful, he might have died of it. <laughs> oh, I mean, you tell me, I was just eavesdropping with some other ghosts. The chimney sweeps were on a, a five minute break from the singing and uh, Scrooge seemed just really freaked out. It was amazing. Oh, man. I didn't want to did tell Did anybody you have though. chains? Did anybody rattle the chains? But there's always rattling of chains. It's always uh, the chains. Uh, <laughs> it really scares them. It's amazing. I I just didn't want to tell you because like I don't like Scrooge. And I knew I knew that if you knew that he was being haunted, then you might want to go to Scrooge and fight the ghost that was haunting him. I well, mean, what I if, could be what putting, if we gave them a hand? What if we gave him? I would love to do that. Absolutely. I just figured, actually, go ahead and give me an insight check, Tilia. Oh, boy. <laughs> That'll be a five. A my, five. Wisdom is, my wisdom is negative two. <laughs> what a bad thing for me to ask you to roll. So you're just lost on this idea of helping this ghost, you know, haunt Scrooge. But you are a little bit perhaps confused at why Catherine would assume that you would want to go hunt this ghost, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. I will say, well, here's what I'll say. Here's So Catherine kind of looks to you and says, well, we, we could help out the ghost. I just figured that you would think helping out perhaps one of the richest men in town do something that you've been doing for years, fighting ghosts, might yield some kind of reward that might... You know, extortion sounds perfect. <laughs> I thought you'd say so. I, I just didn't want to tell you because if you finally got the money to be out of your parents' control and make a life for your own with your own independence, oh, then you might you leave know, me you behind. Know, oh, you know I wouldn't. You know I wouldn't. I'd figured out how, how to take you with me. Okay, if you say so. Well, at the very least, we could head there and watch him freak out, yeah? Oh, yeah. Get me out of this house, away from mommy yeah. and daddy and the marriage proposals. I mean, you would think after I turned down as many as I did, they would just give up. There seems to be no shortage of very boring wit rich men, huh? Right? Ugh. Oh. They all just go away. Cool. So, how do you leave the house? Well, at this Paint point, me a scene here. Uh, yeah. Tilia and Catherine have a system because this is every night. Every night, yeah. absolutely. Of course. So she's going to go and be all of the like eyes on the paintings in the hall and like <laughs> check and make sure <laughs> that it's clear for Tilia to get out of there. And then Tilia mm -hmm. will go down the back stairs and out the back of the manor where like the kitchens are and stuff because her parents, psh, no, they never go back there. <laughs> mm -mm, mm -mm. Yeah. So then she's out on the street and she's gone. Excellent. You take off. You and Catherine, because Catherine can walk the streets because it's Christmas time. She, you both take off and you head for the home of a Scrooge. We're going to cut from there all the way to a secret location in the seedy part of downtown London. It's not the poorest of the neighborhoods. At least Bleakberry has uh, honest people just trying to survive. This instead is where money meets risk 
desperation, and thrills. This is Curdston Alley, home of the Blood Snout crime family. They sound dangerous, but these days they mostly just uh, house gambling circuits in abandoned warehouses and dark, grimy basements. The locations change, but the uneasy vibe of danger is ever-present. These gambling nights attract an interesting lot from all walks of life, from lowly criminals to high society lords and ladies, and even officials of the church, perhaps. Who knows? This night, sitting at a small table in the center of the room, we see three characters engaged in a tense card game. The sun has just fallen, but the stakes are already high. In one chair at this table sits... A rather odd gentleman who seems to be studying his cards intensely. In fact, he seems to be studying everything rather intensely. Ethan, would you please describe your character? Hello, my name is Kensington Chalet, professional private detective of South London. Um, I find myself here, as I do each Christmas, to, as it were, blow off a little steam have myself a good time, maybe, maybe leave the room with a little bit more money than I came in with, and most of all, just as an exercise of my astute mental prowess. Across, sitting across from Kensington, is the prim and proper noble nun of the Catholic Church, Sister Marguerite. Or perhaps she's not so noble, after all. Uh, Between them is the two's biggest competition in this card game. Uh, simply called Clive. No last name. Just Clive. Either one of you can give me an investigation check. Okay. I will do that. I gotta get my character sheet open. Yeah, both of you do. I feel like we both yeah, should. Both because you're telling me that an official of the church that's widely visible doesn't disguise herself to go to the gambling den? She might. It's uh, 18. Scott's 11 plus 7. Excellent. 12. 12. Sister Marguerite, you pick up on some of this, but Kensington, you get all of this. All of this good info. Clive, as you're studying your opponent there, has the confidence of an upper-class fellow, but greasy hair and the smell that implies that he hasn't showered in weeks. He's dressed in very fine clothing, but it's all a bit wrinkled and not exactly tailored to his measurements. Uh, You can tell that he literally won the clothes off of some high roller not too long ago. This guy is serious business. The final round of betting is in order. Clive goes all in. Just in in part of the scene setting, I am, in fact, in some sort of disguise. Would you like me to roll deception for that? Um, yeah, go ahead and roll me a deception for your for your disguise. Your incredibly high deception. It's still only going to be a 14. A 14. I will say... So you roll the one? <laughs> no, I rolled a five. I will say with a 14, I won't even make Kensington roll for this. He definitely knows that you're Sister Marguerite. You guys have been betting together side by side, playing games for who knows how long. And he's a smart enough man to know that even if you had disguised yourself, he would put together in the past that you are, in fact, a nun of the church. Cool. And I am dropping the French accent probably Excellent. For, for this. Clive is a person who does not attend church, has no idea who you are. Just He just knows me. Yep. Very briefly. This is the first time you've bet against this guy. All right. So Clive goes all in. Kensington's the kind of person that can't do anything without uh, explaining himself. Yes. First. So he's going to look at Clive and say, uh, Clive, my dear man, um, 
It seems a bit early in the afternoon, the early evening to be <clears throat> quite petting the house as it were. Have you some place to run off to? E well, either way. It matters not, for I cannot resist such a bet. Uh, I will also go all in. Oh, shut it, Kensington. No one cares. I as, to as well am all in. All right. All right. Everyone's all in. Ever the vixen, Maggie. Ever the vixen. I'm going to need you both to roll me a just flat luck check. So just roll a d20. Tell me what number you get. Uh, Kensington, you do roll with disadvantage because you have been a uh, regular at these gambling nights for so long that everyone knows what your tells are. Okay. Uh, disadvantage is a nine. <laughs> Excellent. I got a two. A two and a nine. So with the round over, I don't know anything about card games. So I assume cards are flipped over in some capacity. Who knows? <laughs> it is very clear that Clive, the, the silent kind of grifter, has taken the whole winnings. Has completely won, not even close. And uh, yeah, just reaches his arms out and starts scooping up all that good money. Christ! Well, um, Clive, um, yeah. <coughs> a good game as well. Um, thank you for the rousing support of competition. Um, he's just opening his jacket pockets and just shoving any all the money into any and all pockets that he has available on him. Just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyhow, um, give Mr. Bloodsnout my best, and Kensington is dipping. Just yeah. <laughs> trying to leave. As you are dipping, are you trying to be stealthy about it? Not stealthy so much as quick. Okay. <laughs> all right. How can you be stealthy after uh, going all in and losing? There's yeah, no, no you can't be stealthy, but he's <laughs> he's doing his best be. to Irish goodbye this. I'm going to make a little roll here. <laughs> Do I need to make a stealth roll? I can make a stealth roll. Only if you're wanting to be stealthy. If you're wanting to be no, fast, I can If you're wanting to be fast, I can make you do like an uh, acrobatics or athletics thing. Yeah, do athletics yeah, if I you mean, want That feels weird that like, you know, try, I'm, I'm trying to just kind of Realize I lost the game, get up from the table, and just, like... You're not, like, bolting, right? You're just I'm kind of, I'm not running, like... but I am definitely... Okay. Somewhere somewhere in between the two. I'm not being okay. stealthy. I, I'll, I'll roll whatever. It doesn't... It doesn't um, I was just rolling too hard about if it. a certain character would notice you, and I don't gotcha. think it would matter what you rolled, because this character did roll a nat 20. And oh, okay. So as you are going out and uh, trying to you know, pack it up. It's, it's all, it's so early in the night and you've already lost everything kind of tail between your legs, a big brutish fellow in very, like he's in a suit and his muscles are like really tensing up the suit. Like there's no slack anywhere. He's just like built into the suit, walks up to you and you recognize this person as Barkley Bloodsnout, one of the Bloodsnout brothers who runs this uh, ring. He says, hello, Kensington. Ah, um, uh, Barkley, my good man. <laughs> yes. Just the man I was expecting to speak to. Uh, excellent. Yep. Um, well, you know, I, I must be I, off. Um, as you I see, did, the game's not gone quite no, well. Merry I Christmas, anything, all that to do. Have a great holiday. Well, uh, hold on uh, right there. And he puts his gigantic like hand on your shoulders. Um, I'm very sorry, but we do have a policy here. You are already quite in debt to us. And um, you did borrow money to gamble tonight. And then you did lose it all. Ah, uh, yes. See, well, as, as it were, the game, um, 
well, the game didn't go quite oh, I know. as well as I was hoping, well, oh, as I was course, expecting. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it happens, it happens, it happens, of course. There are repercussions, of course, to, to this. And oh, I, I'm, terribly, course, I'm terribly sorry. And he puts his other giant hand like around you, just like like holding you in place, like, but being very polite about it. Like, I'm, I'm terribly, terribly sorry. Uh, you have, you owe us, as I'm sure you know, quite a lot of money. And I don't know where you're going to get it. Do you know where you're going to get it from? Right, of course. Um, it was just on my way to the banks, as it were. Well, there, there. See, uh, the problem uh, is the see, banks could... Yeah, go on, go ahead. Close for the holiday. Um, no, see, that's that's very interesting. And again, I'm, I'm terribly sorry for, for calling you out on this, but um, it does... Mm, his grip kind of tightens on you a little bit. I do recall the reason... That you were that you were borrowed money from us in the first place is because the banks wouldn't lend you any more money. You had to pay off the banks, so you borrowed money from us. How are you gonna are you gonna just keep doing that? Keep running that? I don't think the banks trust you very much. And again, no offense. I you know, no, the course, banks I'm don't taken. trust me very much. I get it. I'm, I'm taken. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I'm I'm so sorry that you're in this predicament, but you are in this predicament. Yes, well, um, <laughs> As, as it were, you see, there's not really much I can do about it this this evening. You see, it is it is Christmas Eve after all. Um, it's yes. going to be quite difficult to procure. No, I know uh, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of financial repartee within the next. No, uh, I, know. I would say a few days. I get. Look, I get. It. Look. If you want a, 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 a bigger deadline, I understand we're not going to give you, uh, we're not going to make you pay up immediately, obviously. Tomorrow is Christmas, as you said. And, uh, you know, we are, we are fair and square around here. And, um, so how about this? You don't have to pay up immediately. We'll give you tonight to think about it. We'll give you tomorrow. It's Christmas after all. December 26th, you owe us money or we will cut off your hands that's just how it well, i'm sorry and no oh, of offense course, of course I, who, and hey, no offense again who, i can't who, stress that enough who am i to argue with tradition as as of course Th- you understand um, thank you I, oh, absolutely absolutely um there's no problem uh by your grace i the 26th will be perfect Assur- rest assured the 26th i will be here with bells on mm-hmm 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 <laughs> so Clive in the background is kind of like um, playfully kind of taking a, a knife out and playing with it as, as he heard uh, Barkley say something about cutting your hands off. So he's like itching to go. And uh, Barkley blood snout turns to Kensington as, after looking at Clive and just being like, yeah, that's the guy who cut your hands off. Um, so Kensington, I hate to do this, but because you do owe us so much money, we can't just cut off your hands. You also will not be able to play here ever again. And well, first, it would be yeah. um, it would be quite hard to play without hands, as it were. Yes, I know. We just there's just a lot of fine print on these rules, and I just have of to course, make sure of that we get all them. Yeah, I, hey, I I know the drill. I I took the class. I took the the the, the introductory course as it when I first. Of course. Uh, yes. Anyway. Um. Well. Yes. Uh, 26th then, Merry Christmas. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and just to make it doubly clear, like you're walking out of the, of the building, uh, just to make it doubly clear, uh, you will not be getting any more money from any of the blood snouts. I will tell my brothers about this. Uh, you, you, honestly, if you want any money from us, uh, it would be just as hard as asking uh, Scrooge himself to spare a dime. 
<laughs> he kind of laughs. I will need. Yeah. How do you respond? I also, yeah, laugh and just say, it's a, it's a good one there. It's a good one. <laughs> so as you're laughing to yourself, I need you to make me a history check. A uh, history. I'm good at that. Proficient for some reason. Nice. Uh, that's a dirty 20. 13 dirty plus 7. Dirty 20. Yes. So as you're laughing at that idea that oh, Scrooge would never lend me money, you a thought crosses your mind of, but wait a minute, he might be the only person in town who has never lended you money? Yeah, and from whom I could get this sort of debt paid? He's one of the wealthiest people in town, for sure. And he is a money lender. He's a, he's, he is a, a money man. And most people know that you really only go to Scrooge as a last-ditch, desperate effort since his interest rates are unbelievably high. You, he's, you don't go to him first. You go to him out of pure desperation. I think so, I know where I'm headed. And I will say... Marguerite, as you are, well, how, how, how's Marguerite doing? How's Marguerite feeling and thinking right now? You kind of lost a lot of money. So I'm panicked. Sister Marguerite is panicked um, because I just gambled away all of the money that I was supposed to be buying the gifts with. That is no good. <laughs> so Maggie and Kensington, they, they go back far enough. And, oh, dang, this... This whole party is going to catch me in all my lies. So, so Maggie knows Kensington. And so she's going to um, say good evening to Clive. Happy Christmas. Clive just says. And, mm. and duck out after Kensington, because if anybody knows how to find someone you can swindle out of money, it's Kensington. I resent that remark deeply. I highly resent Number one, having to rely on someone, and number two, having to rely on someone like that. Like like the type of person that Kensington is. My poor Southern sensibilities are offended, I dare say. <laughs> are you trying to stealthily follow him so he doesn't notice you, uh, just kind of follow his lead, or are you catching up with him and being like, yo, we need the same thing? I don't know enough of our backstory to to know what would be the most sensical uh i mean i would say just for the sake of simplicity you guys you guys go way back he also just saw you lose a ton of money it is not out of the ordinary for him to be like yes let us both go if we're both it might even i mean kensington you can tell me it might even make you feel better to have somebody with you who's like, yes, and this other person needs money as well as me. It's not just me. It's m more people. I think, yeah, I think I would uh, be amenable to that. But I think at the moment I'm just headed there and not 100% giving mind to my surroundings. I don't want to cool. lose my so hands. So I'm, I'm going to sneak up behind him and like give him 15, 20 feet to sort of figure out where he's going and maybe follow him for a, a moment or two. And then at a time when I think I might be able to intimidate him into helping me, uh, perhaps when there's not a whole lot of people around, I will sneak up right up close behind him. I'm going to do a stealth roll, but I get disadvantage because I, 
I got a 10. Okie dokie. Do I need uh, to roll perception against what's that? Your, what's your passive perception? My passive perception is 16. Oh, yeah. You for yeah, sure he knows. see Sister Marguerite coming up behind you. All right, so I, I basically get right up to you thinking that I'm being all stealthy, but I'm actually like Kronk and the Emperor's yeah, new group. So I'm, da, da, da. <laughs> I'm not even going to turn around and just keep walking and say, what can I do for you, Maggie? Um, I'm in a bit of a uh, situation, as you probably could here, could over here. Um, how can uh, I be of assistance? I'm startled by uh, his response. Um, well, uh, as it appears, we're not... Uh, in particularly different situations. I, too, am in need of of replenishing the funds that I might have just um, uh, lo- lost, perhaps. Uh, and where where are you expecting to get yours? Because well, something Bartha said to me in triggered town. a... Uh, See, the one person that in this fair city that I have not borrowed money from uh, would be Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, not really the person I want to secure financial gain from, but I fear it may be my only option left. So, of course, it being, um, well, a day that ends in Y, I'm sure I could find Ebenezer at his counting house. So I am headed there to see if I might... Trade one debt for another. Scrooge, that old miser. He'll never part with his pennies. I can't even get him to support the church tithe. Uh, I think he might be um, a little bit amenable to unpinching his pennies for something that doesn't involve the church or the needy. Hmm. Technically, you are quite needy. But, uh... (laughs) Yeah, I am quite needy, but I am not an urchin. <laughs> I get you. I, I, I am a private detective. I have an office on Harley Street. Mm-hmm. He would know me. Excellent. I will even say, so you're you're wanting to head to Scrooge's uh, counting house. I will say at this point in time, the night has fully set in and w- you would know, Kensington, that it would make a little bit more sense to head directly to Scrooge's house to his house than, okay yeah rather than his place of business I'm convinced by that like like I definitely sat here and considered it for a moment but that all makes sense so off you two head so we're headed to Scrooge's home off you head to Scrooge's home perfect perfect love it the night has fully set in uh, the moon is high in the sky. The fog hanging in the air makes it appear to glow a ghostly aura. The streets are quiet. Everyone is resting up for a cheery Christmas morning. I should say, however, that the streets are quiet of any living activity. Uh, As we've learned this time of year, the city is buzzing with ghostly activity. Friends and loved ones reuniting, some ghosts carrying on with their jobs as if they're still alive. Uh, It's mostly friendly stuff with the occasional wailing sound of a ghost in the background. Some spirits are tormented by witnessing forever the hardships of the living and being unable to help them in their ghostly form. But to the living, 
most people only see vague effects of ghostly activity and not the ghosts themselves. Not unless a powerful apparition appears before their eyes, impactful enough to tear through the veil that protects their mind from truly seeing the spectral world. So, even with this cacophony of ghostly sights and sounds in the city, Marianne Blossom Ashworth doesn't see a soul and hears only the wind. She is walking through the streets of London. And uh, actually, Scrooge lives fairly close to a lady's bookstore. Both are very close to the border of North Dryfund and Bleakberry. But you have uh, taken the long way around to kind of take in the sights of the town, maybe soak it all in for one reason or another. So what are you thinking? How are you feeling? Marianne doesn't like that there's a wedding happening next month. And she's probably going to try to give money to Eleanor and then leave town. So you're off to Scrooge's to try and relieve some debt to leave Eleanor in better hands as you take off. Where, where, where would you be going? I'll make a pass by the jewelry store. Just give it one more look. The ruby necklace is... Unfortunately, not in the window anymore. Someone has bought it. Marianne hangs her head low and continues to walk. All right. Uh, as you continue to walk, kind of saying goodbye to the city, you see a familiar face headed in the same direction as you. Tilia Castle Rock walks up onto the scene. She has uh, frequented a lady's bookstore to brush up on all kinds of arcane books of magic and specters. Yeah, she's just walking in the same direction as you two, or as you. Oh, hello, Miss Castle Rock. Uh, 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 Tilia sort of finished stifling a laugh because she realizes she's not alone with Catherine. And she said, uh, hello, hello, uh, how are you? What are you doing so late? On the streets. Oh, well, you know, it, it's Alone. important to get an evening stroll after, a, you know, it's such a, a heavy dinner. Parents at it again. Mm -hmm. Don't you know, they, they can't sit down for a simple dinner to do anything other than, you know, line up my marriage prospects, parade them through my dining hall, post, put up their pictures that I might consider them. I find them in the bathroom. I find them underneath my pillow at night. I mean, they're just, they're everywhere. You should do what I did and just run away from it all. You know, that's not a terrible idea. Well, here, let me walk with you. Where are you headed? Well, I was just making, you know, a, a, a round... Uh, around the block, just uh, well, not really a, a destination in mind. I'm on my way to Mr. Scrooge's. Would you oh, like to come really? with? Oh, really? What, what, what are you going there oh, for? really? Yes. I'm going to try to make a little coin, pay off a little debt. Ah. You know, the usual. It's good to do that around the holidays, freeze you up a little bit. Just a little bit. Excellent. So you guys are walking now together... Uh, with, towards Scrooge's house. Catherine, who was with you, Tilia, kind of looks and says, and, you know, says, like, I'll catch up with you later. I want to go see what's happening over there. And she kind of, like, points towards, like, a, 
you know, where a lot of ghostly activity is. There's like uh, that side of town's got like all kinds of like graveyards of ghosts like popping up in and out and being like, oh, hey, how, how are you doing? Like meeting and greeting each other. Like it's the one time a year and there's all sorts of activity around you that only you can perceive right now. And Catherine's just like, I'll catch up with you later. I just want to go over here. Tilia discreetly sort of like nods to her and gives her like a thumbs up behind her back. Mm hmm. Excellent. And uh, Catherine takes off. As you are walking, you see another pair of people walking up in the same direction. It's very clear now that where everyone is going is towards the border of North Dryfend and, and Bleakbury. Another group of people walks up to Marianne and Tilia. And this is a group of Kensington and Sister Marguerite. Uh. Do we recognize, or do I recognize? All of you, like, if you recognize, like, you for sure recognize Marianne. Kensington, it's unclear if you recognize anyone, if you have previous relationships with anyone but Sister Marguerite. But you at least see each other walking in the same direction. Tilly is not familiar with anyone else. I think I would know who Tilly is. are you wearing? As uh, her being a member of the moneyed class. Is Sister Marguerite wearing her usual nun attire? No. no. This is casual, Sister Marguerite. Yeah, Marianne has no clue who this person <laughs> is. <laughs> I mean, I had rolled like a, a 14 deception earlier, so, you know. Well, at the very least, you see there are two parties walking in the same direction, seemingly both headed towards the same direction or the same destination. So, yeah, if that intrigues anyone. Uh, so, I mean, Tilia is a very social person. And so she's just going to call over to the other group and say, Oh, hello. It's such a nice, uh, a nice um, evening for a stroll, isn't it? Y- yes, of course. Um, evening for a stroll. Yes, yes, yes. Um, very nice. Yes. I just nod. <laughs> Tilia leans over to Marianne and she's like, Because I recognize Marianne. But they're not very friendly, are they? Ah, not at all. I'm sorry, we were just headed here to uh, one of these houses. Are you heading to Mr. Scrooge's house as well? Uh, yes. W- wait, are you also headed to Mr. Scrooge's? For what? To what end? I was just accompanying dear Marianne here. No reason at all. No, no reason at all. You're going to visit one of the most hated men in the city for no reason at all. Well, we, we just thought no that we might need After a little dark. bit of a bright, shining face to say hello to. Christmas <laughs> spirit, you know. Even the meanest people deserve a little bit of Christmas joy. Um, okay, well, by no means allow me to stand, stand in your way. Oh, Mary Anne, we all know that you're headed here for money. Sister! What are you doing out this late? Don't you need to be buying presents? I am buying the presents. I am simply uh, making a stop at Mr. Scrooge's because he did not contribute to the the church tithe for the Christmas presents. And uh, he never does. (laughs) As a member of the church, he must. He simply must, especially, especially on a year in which the bishop is going to be here for the Christmas Mass. It would look very bad of St. Shelley to have no, uh, have, have, have fewer gifts than we would if, if there was a contribution of uh, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. Jordan, I'm going to keep making you make deception checks because it's fun for me. Uh, You can, yeah. You can, you can do it with advantage because that was a very convincing lie. 
And Kensington, if at any point you want to make investigation or insight to see if these two to understand the real motives of these two people if i am gonna do that actually i think i'm gonna that would be insight i would imagine should i roll deception i got a 19 for deception since i lied since you lied uh yeah you can roll deception as well in fact you and tilly i was saying i suppose that i also need to Everyone's just lying to each other. <laughs> We're just deceiving each other. I rolled a 19. Nat 20 on insight, Scott. Nat 20. Dang it. And I literally got a 19. I hate well, everyone. He, I got a 14. I mean, Wait, you're not lying to me. Kensington already knows what your dealio is. I did not balk when you switched to a French accent at <laughs> <Yeah>. all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do I need to roll for... No, I wouldn't think anything of that. I, no, it's I rolled a 19 for deception. A 19... Well, unfortunately, none of that's going to be in a nat 20 on Insight. Kensington, as these two lovely ladies lie directly to your face, you catch it immediately. And uh, you gather just from your pure instinctual investigation skills that these two need money. Uh, They need money for different reasons. And Tilia looks excited, ready for, for an adventure. Marianne looks a little sad and a little like desperate for money, kind of similar to how you are. She's not afraid like you, but she has that kind of desperation. And uh, also with the deception role from sister Marguerite. Yeah. Marianne for sure believes that you're just going to screw just to ask for a donation. I, I get the impression that we'll, <clears throat> I don't know where that, what that went. <laughs> Lost the accent there for a second. I get the impression that we're all here for majorly the same reason. Um, I'm here in search of money. Uh, My dear sister Marguerite is here in search of money. Uh, And I get the feeling that there's really no other reason for two um, fine young women such as herself to be at this house this late on a holiday. Um, We may as well just get on with it. Marianne, do you feel like we're being accused of being prostitutes? <laughs> Sorry. Madame, I would... Well, I do say. <laughs> I would not speculate at any such thing. Um, this is a money lender. I don't think that uh, Ebony's a Scrooge as much for the, the ladies of the night. Kensington, I will say with that nat 20 on insight, you do kind of think Marianne might be a prostitute. It's unclear. Fair. <laughs> but Marianne was not the one that asked me. I know. But also, also Kensington is absolutely not in any way thinking about sex ever. A lady of the night, but not for your type. <laughs> you all uh, walk together, I presume, to arrive at Scrooge's home. As I said, it is uh, fully dark outside now. You arrive at his house, Scrooge's home, the home of Ebenezer Scrooge, is a gloomy house with no lanterns in the yard or anywhere on the exterior. Darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it. The house was also set a bit too far back in its yard, like it was hiding from the other houses in the neighborhood. In the black of night, you can't even see it. You only know it's there because of the old iron gateway, which doesn't so much invite people in as it does demand that people stay out. Normally, it's locked, for Scrooge loves his privacy. But today, 
it seems that Scrooge forgot to lock up as tightly as he usually does. The gate is slightly ajar. And so that is what you see when you arrive uh, the front of the house. You may make a um, perception check if you wish. Anyone. Gosh, goodness. 13. This negative two wisdom is really going to kill me. I, I rolled a 21 on perception. Kensington, Kensington Chalet and Tilia Castle Rock. You not only see all of this opening entranceway to his house, but you do also hear the sound of someone pacing back and forth while making fast, anxious grunts and groans. So you are outside and you are outside of his gate. Would you like to approach the entrance of his house? I would, yeah. Yeah, so the gate is open. You walk and approach his house. The You walk a good distance into his yard because his house is very set back into the, into the shadows. The already dark shadows of night. Kensington, with that 21 perception, as you approach his front door, Scrooge's front door, you see for the briefest moment the door knocker does not look like a door knocker. The first time you glance at it, it looks like a man's face with wild, wispy hair below which sat ghostly spectacles turned up on the man's forehead above its eyes. Uh, his eyes were fixed, wide open, but perfectly motionless. You see this for a fraction of a second, this man's face. And then the next time you try to focus your eyes on it, it's back to a door knocker. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I just like blink three or four times really hard and go, bit of underdone beef or something. Who would like to knock on the door to Scrooge's home? Yeah, no, I'm here with a purpose. I'm here to ask for money. I'm going to go up and knock on the door. I don't know anything about ghosts, so. Kensington uh, reaches for this door knocker that was a bit strange for a second, but looks like a regular door knocker now. Knocking on the door. Tilia and uh, um, Kensington, who had previously heard sounds coming from inside the house, uh, now hear the sounds stop, and kind of like screech, like, Hoo! and then you hear footsteps approaching the door. The door squeaks open just a crack, and you all can barely make out the figure of old Ebenezer Scrooge peering through the doorway. His presence makes the already frosty air even more frigid. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped at his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, and made his eyes red and his thin lips blue. No wind that blew was bitterer than he, and no falling snow was more intent upon its purpose. And he spoke out to you, in his grating voice. What do you want? Well? Tilia strolls up out of the shadows. And she says, Well, you know, Mr. Scrooge, we hear you might need some help. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't? No. Now, please, leave me in my quiet. Mr. Scrooge! I'm here on behalf of St. Shelley. Uh, we noticed that you did not uh, give your holiday tithe or, or or really any 
tithe yes. throughout the yes, year. Yes, correct. And, yes. Um, I never do. Uh, um, well, we were hoping that you would uh, reconsider for this year be- because the bishop is going to be here and uh, those who give to the church uh, are looked upon more favorably, uh, particularly when they are uh, dying or under threat of death. And and if it, 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 is, it is for your immortal soul, you sir. wasting my time. I do not care about the church. I do not care about the bishop. Now, please, leave me to my thoughts. I'm assuming he tries to shut the door at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scrooge tries so to gonna, shut the door. Yeah, I'm going to do the put my hand on the door and stop it from shutting thing. And say, uh, Mr. Scrooge, uh, sorry, I uh, was thrown off by the uh, answer of this outrageous young woman here. Um, I'm here in search of, of finances, finance, f- financial, uh, I need money. Everyone does. Of course, you do. of course, everyone. And you choose today of all nights to bother me for my money. My business will be open tomorrow as always. It is not important. Leave me to my thoughts. I dare say, Mr. Scrooge, you do seem like you might need some assistance of some kind. As you know, I'm a, uh, you may or may not know, I'm a uh, professional private detective. Is there any business to which I might be of assistance? Hmm. He kind of definitely eyes widen a little bit. And, uh, interesting. And what is it the rest of you do? Is Catherine around anywhere? Catherine is not around, no. Okay. Um, but he looks, Scrooge looks directly at you, kind of perplexed. He sees a man here as a detective, and he sees you dressed in, like, your kind of get-up, and is like, and what do you want? Oh, well, do you know, I like to spend my evenings chasing, you know, the uh, less than human, and I heard from a friend that you might be in need of my services. Less than human? I'm not speaking to you. What do you mean, Scrooge? Very funny, very funny. Scrooge's eyes widen, as you say, that less than human. And he kind of nudges Kensington's hands out of the door, shuts it. You hear the unlock mechanism coming from and then just fully opens the door. Well, um, this is quite embarrassing. I do not like feeling like I need people around. But please, come in. I would like to talk, for I may require your assistance. Tilia happily strolls into the foyer and uh, would like to do an investigation check. Uh, Excellent. I will let you, yeah. Yeah, go ahead and do an investigation. What are you looking for specifically? I'm looking for anything that is indicative of ghost presence uh, or just anything that seems off. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd also like to look, uh, walk in and look Excellent. around. Yeah, I imagine you just, all walk just in. Just for funsies. I've never been inside Scrooge's he home. He does not take visitors very often. No. Well, I got to say my investigation check really didn't work out. A uh, total of seven. Uh, I'm not looking for ghost stuff. I'm specifically looking for not ghost stuff. I'm looking for things that seem out of the ordinary, though. 
that would have Scrooge in a tizzy, and I got a 22. You got a 22. And I'm looking I'm looking to see any evidence of children, children's toys, or anything that I can just straight up pocket <laughs> at this oh point. Oh, my God. I am panicking. Incredible. Absolutely. Uh, everyone tell me what they get on their I, rolls. Natural one. Natural one. You get nothing. Three. Your eyes have not adjusted nothing. to the dark yet. Jordan, what did you say? Three. I get nothing. Here, I'll, I'm going to go in order of how I see you on my screen, which isn't very helpful. But, Sister Marguerite, you're looking around for children's toys. You do not see anything. Scrooge is a person who does not have children. He does not care for children. He did not care to be a child very much. So he does not even have many things from his own childhood. Marianne, you you got a nat one. Your eyes have not adjusted to the darkness of Scrooge's interior of his house. You see nothing but blackness. Tilly, you got, what did you get? A seven. And what were you looking for? I was looking for any sort of ghostly presence or indicators. You, you feel a chill in the air that, uh, that could potentially be uh, a ghostly presence that, that may have been there, but it's honestly hard to tell because Scrooge doesn't keep his house lit. He doesn't have any furnace going because uh, it's cheaper not to. And he himself kind of lets off his own coldness from his icy heart. So you just get a sense of cold and you're unsure what to do with that. It could be nothing, could be something, probably nothing. <laughs> Uh, and Kensington, you were looking for uh, just anything? Anything that would seem out of the ordinary, that, that seems to have Scrooge spooked, that specifically is not spooks. Yeah, so you are looking around. This is just kind of Scrooge's main area. You all have already started investigating, and he's just like, I, 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 I didn't even tell you, but... And you're already, like, rummaging through his stuff. Kensington, you see, just kind of scattered about the floor, I should tell you, this place that Scrooge uh, lives in is not well-maintained. He's a very wealthy man, but he does not upkeep this house at all. He has stuff for days scattered about trash and, and like kind of litter. It's not disgusting. Nothing's decaying, but there's just a lot of clutter. Wallpapers like peeling off of the walls. Some floorboards are kind of broken. It's very like it's dangerous for a man of his age to be walking around and living here, especially in as cold temperature as it is as well. Um, so there's just a lot of stuff to get through. But with, an, with a 22 Kensington, you see just kind of on the floor next to you, um, just some old, some old like newspapers that might have like etchings of like people's, uh, you know, in, in a time before cameras were widely available, just doodles of important figures and whatnot. And, you do see a face that seems very familiar to you, a face on a, a piece of paper with kind of wispy hair, glasses turned up on its head. Yeah, I'm going to pick up that piece of paper. On the piece of paper, it says the name uh, Jacob Marley on it. Um, and it's it's dated seven years ago. It's actually... I, I don't know the exact timeline of things, but for the sake of this fictional world, I will say that it's a newspaper etching of seven years ago when um, important businessman Jacob Marley died. So it is his obituary. I'm going to pick up that. Yeah, that piece of paper and I'm going to look at Scrooge and just hold it up and say, um, my dear Scrooge, uh, 
Who is this man? Scrooge says, why, that's my... He's kind of like rattled a little bit as he sees that face. Just, um, that's my old uh, business partner. Uh, you can see the name clearly on it. Jacob Marley of uh, Scrooge and Marley, our business. And uh, he's like not, he's trying really hard not to make eye contact with that photo. He's like clearly kind of scared of that face. That's um, sort of what I wanted to talk to you all about, perhaps. And actually, Ethan, can you go ahead and make me a history check? as well it's a dirty 20 13 plus 7 you know that this house that you're standing in the name jacob marley comes to your head as scrooge says it as you read it on the paper you understand scrooge's connection with jacob marley as a business partner and it you recall uh, just through the history of this town that this house was not always scrooge's house this used to be jacob marley's home this used to be where he resided before he died, and Scrooge has been living here ever since and has not been taking care of the place at all. And of course, you might piece together that the faces are similar to the one you saw earlier. You know Marley is very important in Scrooge's past and potentially present. Who knows? Mr. Scrooge, why don't you tell us what's going on here? My... Uh, he kind of ushers you all to sit down, but again, it's very cluttered. There's not really any place to sit. He kind of goes back to his little, he's got a desk and like a chair. It's kind of a home office and he sits there behind his desk because it's also like a power move. It makes him look a little bit more official uh, as if you are guests wanting something because you are. And Scrooge just sits quietly for a second and explains, tonight I saw the face of my old, long-dead business partner, Jacob Marley. He had visited me. I, he is dead as a doornail. But I saw him standing in front of me in a ghostly form. I don't know. I, I thought I just ate something, a, a bit of mustard. I don't know. But it was real. And he said that I was a wicked man. Am a wicked man, really. And that I need to learn some lessons, Scrooge says, kind of annoyed with that concept. And um, he said that I would be visited by more ghosts. That would teach me about my failings, both, uh, well, just throughout my life, really. I didn't believe it at first, but the more he stayed, the more he said, the more he did, I began to see that it really was the ghost of my old friend coming to warn me. Well, Mr. Scrooge, if you are concerned about your wicked ways... You could only <laughs> donate to the church. Oh my god! Ah, <laughs> uh, Mr. Scrooge, um, I have quite a bit of experience in this particular field. You need not worry. Uh, nothing will 
Disturb your sleep this eve, as long as Chalet is on the case. Tilia, Tilia, while all of this is going on, casts the minor illusion cantrip. You create a sound or image of an object within range that lasts for the duration, and it's just going to be chain sounds, like jingling chains. Oh, no. <laughs> Scrooge is horrified. He cow. He's at his desk. He cowers under his desk like, oh, there he is again. There he is again. My dear Scrooge, my dear Scrooge. Uh, uh, calm yourself, calm yourself, sir. This man, it's this behavior befitting a man of your position. There's no such thing as ghosts or spirits uh, or any sort of figures. you idiot. There's no such thing as ghosts or spirits or any sort of figures. I would love it Kensington, if the lady would let would me get... quit being a windbag? You don't... It is. It is the day of the year that the ghosts walk free. There's no... Uh, my dear. My dear girl. Uh, that is precisely <laughs> what Marley said. Yes. There is a logical, reasonable explanation for everything that's happened to you tonight. And I promise you that at the strike of midnight or the strike of one, whenever this first ghost of your friends is supposed to show up, that we will be able to apprehend, unmask, and... It, Solve your problems, sir. I look. Um, he Scrooge very much is a man of you know the world. He didn't believe in ghosts until this night. At any other time, he would have been on the side of Kensington. But Tilly, are you saying saying that it's the night that the ghosts walk free, and that is a thing that Marley has told Scrooge makes him really tap into like focus on you as a person who might understand and know more about this situation and scrooge just says i will take your help kensington and i will also take yours what was your name again mm, you don't need to know my name sir um it's tilia castle rock <laughs> she elbows <laughs> kensington <laughs> well, Miss Castle Rock, Scrooge is already writing it down. Scrooge, yep. I'm sure you know her father. Oh, yes, yes, Edmund Castle Look, Scrooge, let's cut to the chase. Let's cut to the chase. Mm -hmm. You all, you need all of our help, and you're going to pay all of us for it. Well, it sounds like you, we could help each other, perhaps. Yes. You all need money. That is what I understand, yes? Indeed. And you cannot get it anywhere else, except right here? Indeed. So quickly, all right, okay. How about this? I will be visited, said my partner, Marley, by three ghosts. I do not have time for that, nor does it sound particularly interesting. So, I will pay you all ten gold pieces if you find and defeat the three ghosts before they are to haunt me. I do not want to see them coming in to this house to get me. You will go out there, find them, kill them, or whatever it is you can do to a ghost, and bring me back evidence that you have defeated them. And when you do, I am more than happy to lend you out a bit of gold. Oh no. This will not be a loan. This will be payment for services rendered. Yes, I'm quite inclined to agree with Miss Castle Rock. How are we supposed to provide evidence if the ghosts are 
Don Misfic Nine. My dear Marguerite, we can simply bring back the person who was pretending to be a ghost. <laughs> we bring them back in irons with Scotland Yard. Don't you worry about that. How much money do we owe Scrooge? Um, quite a bit more than ten gold. I would say you probably owe him. I don't know, closer to a hundred. I did like a conversion to see how much gold is compared to real world money. It's a lot. So you owe him a lot. You're very much in debt. Yeah, I was going to ask because I hadn't. So we should be negotiating higher. Scrooge has offered you all 10 gold. Um, I will tell you that that is not nearly enough to pay off all of your debts. You are in debt quite a lot to everyone i mean tilly you're you're not even in debt but you want a lot i presume a lot of money to get away from your parents and still live comfortably so this is scrooge being a miser got it this is scrooge being a miser it's more generous than he would ever be but these are you know wild circumstances you could potentially try and squeeze more out of him if you wanted so oh scrooge 10 gold we could just leave. You could be haunted by three ghosts. Yes, this is quite a bit lower than my usual fee. Uh, but you simply must but, pay more. Look, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Scrooge, it is most common for patrons of the church to give between 10 and 20% so of their income. I this sister talking to me. Scrooge. But you. Scrooge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Look, at the end of this all, it's your life. If your life is only worth a few measly gold pieces, then we can all walk, because why on earth would we risk ourselves to save your awful, just crotchety, miserly, terrible self? Why? Why would we go through the effort? You're going to have to do much better for these services rendered. Scrooge kind of thinks for a bit, and he looks directly at Marianne, and he says, Wait, I know you. You owe me quite a bit of money. You do know me. Hmm. Okay. All right, all right. How about this? Because these ghostly proceedings do not interest me. He's like, he's actually terrified, but he's trying to make it seem like it's just boring. Because they do not interest me in any capacity, I will erase your debt on that horrible, horrible bookstore that you owe me. And for the rest of you, he kind of sighs and he looks back behind him, behind his desk. There's like a wall of safes of varying sizes from like small to large, just like stuffed at like, you know, money's like dripping out of it. And he just looks back and says, name your price. 